Welcome to The Daily Bite with your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. We continue our Holy Week series of readings today. This would be Holy Tuesday. It doesn't have an official name, although if you wanted to have a little alliteration in your life, uh, Teaching Tuesday would be fitting, as that's what Jesus spent most of the time doing. Now, our actual text for today, from Matthew chapter 20, falls just before Holy Week, before they had actually made it to the triumphal entry and riding in on Palm Sunday. But the context is still going to point us overall to the crucifixion and even the resurrection in our text today. Chapter 20. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said to them, You go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day in the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first, and the first last. And as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the twelve disciples aside, and on the way he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified, and he will be raised on the third day. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee, came up to him with her sons, and kneeling before him, she asked him for something. And he said to her, What do you want? She said to him, Say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your kingdom. And Jesus answered, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? They said to him, We are able. He said to them, You will drink my cup. But to sit at my right hand and at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those whom it has been prepared by my Father. And when the ten heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers. But Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you, must be your slave, 
even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And as they went out of Jericho, a great crowd followed him. And behold, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd rebuked them, telling them to be silent, but they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And stopping, Jesus called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Lord, let our eyes be opened. And Jesus in pity touched their eyes, and immediately they recovered their sight and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. We begin the chapter with a parable. Really, about half the chapter is this parable Jesus tells. The purpose of parables is to teach. So one of the questions we can begin by asking our, our family on this text is, what is Jesus trying to teach the disciples with this parable? What's the point? What's he getting at? So the kingdom of heaven is Matthew's phrase. Uh, most of the gospel accounts use kingdom of God, but Matthew, for his own reason, using the phrase kingdom of heaven, the parable is trying to help us wrap our minds around what God's God's way, God's kingdom, God's will, what these things look like. They don't look like the worldly ways. And we're going to see that in this parable. We actually we see it throughout this chapter. It's a fitting theme that goes throughout. We have a series of different laborers. The workday, basically think of your day 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. While the sun is up, you can work. When the sun is not up, you can't see anything, so you can't work. That's the picture here. 6 a.m. then is your base. It's hour zero of the day. The owner of the vineyard goes out into the marketplace at the start of the day, finds some workers. They agree for a denarius, which is the equivalent of one day's pay, um, whatever the norm was. That was what that coin was worth. At the, nine, at the third hour, 9 a.m., he goes out and finds more. And then again at the sixth hour, so noon, the ninth hour, three, the eleventh hour, 5 p.m., he goes out again and again into the vineyard, into the market to bring people into work as vineyard. Those eleventh hour workers, those that his word had not reached, they had not been called. They had not heard the good news um, of, of the availability of this work for themselves. And I'm already hinting at the meaning of the text. Um, they had not yet heard the good news of Jesus. And we'll get back to that. When the day was over, so around 6 p.m., the workers come to be paid so they can take their pay. They can go. Um, they can return to their families. The families can use the money to provide uh, for the daily life, the daily bread that they are in need of. The owner has them go in opposite order in order that the lesson can be taught. If the first worker came up first, he'd get his denarius, he'd leave. No lesson learned. But because it's a reverse, the owner is going to be able to have a point of teaching here. The first, the last workers, the ones who came up first, who'd only worked one hour compared to 12, they get paid a denarius. They get the whole day's pay for one hour of work. 
that's quite a generous owner right there to share so much with them. Now, you can imagine how the guys at the back of the line are feeling. Whoa, they're getting that much, and we worked way more than they did. Wait until we get up there, see how much he gives to us. But when they get up there, they receive the same. They receive a denarius. And so they get angry. They grumble about it. They complain that he has made them equal to those who have worked less, that all of their hard labor was, in a sense, worth nothing to them. It was wasted. He replies by saying that they agreed to work for this wage. The denarius was what they had agreed to. Why are they complaining now? What belongs to me? So the owner owns everything. Can he not divvy it up however he sees fit? Can he not be generous with what is his however he sees fit? Now, as we circle back, what is Jesus teaching here? Um, another way to phrase that, what is what is the reward? I mean, we talk about a denarius in the parable, but what is our reward that we are looking forward to? It doesn't matter if you're baptized as a baby or if you're baptized in your dying breath as you're, you know, 90 years of age or whatever. It doesn't make a difference. The reward, the promise is the same. Life with Christ in paradise. He gives you his forgiveness. He gives you his love. He gives you his resurrection. All of these things are a gift from him. And they're, they're not degreed. There aren't varies of these things. It's not, it's not like because I was baptized as a baby, I'm going to be in one wonderful place of heaven while the people who weren't get some lesser degree. That's not the picture that is being painted for us. Instead, the reward is Jesus. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven is Jesus. He is our reward. Life with him forevermore. The next section is actually the third time that Jesus tells his disciples in the gospel account of Matthew about his death. He did it in chapter 16, verses 21 to 23 for the first time. We see Peter respond angrily and rebuke him, uh, to which Jesus then says, Get behind me, Satan. He tells Peter that Peter's got his mind set on earthly things and not the things of God. The next time it happens is a chapter later, chapter 17, verses 22 and 23. A different response. The disciples are greatly distressed, but nobody challenges Jesus. And now this time, which is the most clear of the, the foretellings, no response is recorded of any kind from the disciples. I don't want to make anything of that. Uh, just a note. There's certainly the progression between the first two. It's hard to make a, a clear statement when Matthew left that out of this third account. We hear that Jesus, before he enters Jerusalem, knows he's going to be get, given over by the priests, by the scribes. He'll be condemned to death. He's going to be mocked by the Gentiles. He's going to be flogged. He's going to be crucified and on the third day rise again. Jesus is God and he is foretelling. He knows the future because he knows all things. Um, 
question for the children, perhaps, is Jesus took his 12 disciples aside. How many can you name? How many of the 12 disciples do you know? See if you can work on the list together. The next section, the mother's request, uh, the sons of Zebedee, James, and John want to sit at the right and the left hand of God in his, his kingdom, his reign. Just as Peter had his mind on the things of, of the world, that's the same for these two disciples. They're looking for places of power. And in all honesty, one of those places is already taken. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, if you want to put it literally that way, uh, which means the Father would be on the left. So that seat's taken. That's not what Jesus is getting at here. He's instead rebuking their worldly aspirations. They want places of power. Don't seek those things. Don't seek power. That's not what this is for. The cup that Jesus is about to drink is not a physical cup, although the Lord's Supper is within probably a week's time of them now. Um, And that is a, a cup that we drink as his church. This is a reference to his death. And so they say that they're able to, and he responds, you will drink my cup. They will be martyred. They will die because of Jesus, by their faith and trust in him. Um, so they will have that happen. But they, the request is still not, not appropriate. It's not where to go. The other disciples get angry about it. Um, but the response of Jesus then to the, the whole situation is pointing out the power of the world versus the way of a servant of God. You think of any earthly government, it's all about power. They're power hungry. They crave it. They want to rule. For the one who wants to be in control, that's not even the right way to put it. That's a power word. For the one who wants to lead, we lead not in God's kingdom by force or by power. We lead by serving. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Whoever would be first must be your slave. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So with your children, reflect on this question. How do we lead? The answer is we lead by serving. The husband is the head of the household. Does not mean he oversees his family with power and authority. Authority is there. God gives authority. He oversees, he leads his family by serving them, by sacrificing of himself for them. And then lastly, we have the healing of the two blind men. Uh, Jericho is out to the northeast-east of Jerusalem, probably about 10 miles or so. We see a great crowd follow. That's fairly normal. Uh, Crowds follow Jesus just about everywhere he went. It was hard for him to find time to be alone. Again, seeking after worldly things, seeking after worldly health and healing and bread, those kinds of things. And that's not what this is about. A couple of blind men are are there as the crowd is passing by, as Jesus is there, and they cry out. There's a great confession of faith. They call him son of David. He's from the line of the great King David. There's an acknowledgement here of who Jesus is that is is fairly incredible. The crowd rebukes them, just as Peter was rebuking Jesus, and then Jesus rebuked Peter. 
Now the crowd rebukes these two men. Why? Well, maybe again, similar to what we've already been seeing in this chapter. Worldly ideas of things. Who are these two blind men? They're nobodies. They're nothing in the society. Get out of the way. The teacher has no time for you. He's got bigger things to do. Of course, they don't know what the bigger thing is. They don't know about the cross. The crowd does not have their mind on the cross. They have their mind on conquering and not in Jesus' way. But Jesus doesn't do what the crowd expects. He is, even now, on the road to his death, he stops for these two nobodies, and he has compassion on them. He heals them. That miracle shows his authority over creation, just like all the others do. But there's more to it than that. Jesus' death on the cross is compassion. What he did for those two men in that moment is just a small sampling of what he was about to soon do for them on Good Friday as he laid down his entire life that they might have life. Not just a momentary glimpse of the world around them as the opening of their eyes was for however many more days they got to live. No, there's a life that never ends. So the Lord is compassionate both in the small and in the big. He stooped down to serve even when the crowd didn't want him to do it. There is certainly a different look and feel to the kingdom of God than the kingdoms of this world.